Did you notice that the bathroom stalls are coin operated? No, I did not. Yes, That's in order crazy. to go to the bathroom, you that have is to, that is so. To, it's that really is so good. Capitalist, though. <laughs> I know, I know, and I could tell as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, man, that is like that is like the darkest form of capitalism." <laughs> I, I could. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. This is episode two of our Bioshock analysis. Uh, today, we will only be covering the intro of the game, essentially what is kind of referred to as chapter one. Yeah. Um, we'll be playing up to the point where you reach the medical pavilion. Um, it's maybe an hour's worth of gameplay, maybe even less than that, maybe more like 40 minutes. Hmm. But there's a lot. There there's is a lot to talk about. Tons. <laughs> yeah, tons. So tons. that's going to be today's episode. But from there on, I'm thinking what we're going to do is do, the game is broken up into 12-ish chapters. Um, and I'm going to try to get through three or four of them per episode moving forward. So okay. the plan for now, just so you guys are aware for next episode, play up to when you reach Arcadia. I believe that's the point you had left off yeah, on already. Yeah. So yep. that's good. That's um, so that's where to play up to for next time. Play up to Arcadia. But for today, we're going to be playing up to the medical pavilion. So let's get into this. Uh, the this we, we, we talked a little bit last time about how the intro to Bioshock is one of the best in the history of video games and yeah, that it was something good. added kind of right at the very end. And so that's kind of where I want to focus a lot of my thoughts today is, is on, on how good of a hook this is. It's an incredibly good hook. <laughs> it's like <laughs> kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just really the importance of a strong hook to a story mm. because as, as Ken Levine was saying in the interviews, 99% of Bioshock was already there at the point yeah. that they decided they needed to insert this part in there. So it was already great. Mm. It, it was The whole game was already there. But that's, it's the 1%. It's that last, yeah. that last piece of the puzzle, the intro sequence uh, that is really the most important because it doesn't matter how good the rest of it is if you don't immediately grab just by the collar your yeah. audience and yank them into yeah. your world where they can't ignore what's happening. <laughs> yeah. They have to know what's going to happen next. And that's exactly what this introductory sequence does. It makes me wonder at what point was the original game going to start? Were you just in Rapture? I'm and really you're just, curious. You're just there. I wonder like, if, boom, it, if it was a, a citizen of Rapture was the original character or something like that or somebody well i have an idea but i'm not going to say it yet oh, for okay, fear of spoilers okay. Okay. but yeah someone who was already down there or something yeah that that would be my speculation um but yeah the, doing it this way is a <laughs> hundred times more interesting than any yeah. way i can think of introducing the game when you're already in the plays yeah. um so well here we go i mean it, it starts out uh with jack who is our protagonist? He's he's sitting on a, a, a passenger flight. Yeah, um, he's got a gift <clears throat> in his hand. There's a note from his mom and dad written on it. Um, now it looks weird though. The gift doesn't look right. It looks crudely wrapped. It looks mm. it looks and he's smoking a cigarette. He's smoking it, a cigarette it, on it the plane. It just kind of feels in his voice is like Mama always told me I'd do great things. <laughs> Mama was right and like. Yeah. Or grandma or whoever. He says they told me. So he's talking about his parents, right? They, okay. They told me, son, you're special. You're born to do great things. 
You yes. know what? They were right. You know what? And, and that's what right. Ken Levine said. He, he said yeah. in, in creating the intro, he wrote one line. That's like mm-hmm. all he really added. But like, anyways, it, it, it makes a big difference. It does. Um, it does. Um, but you can, all, you can tell right away that something strange is going on. Um, the way that I, the way that I see it, I mean, I don't know exactly how explicit this is, but it seems like like he, like he crashed the plane. <laughs> right? Like he's got like this box, and he's got like he's smoking. And he's just like, I'm gonna do great things, and then the plane crashes. It's like, okay, well, like come on, like I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to get here, but it seems like he was like giving up on life. He's done. He's gonna do this horrible thing, and then he just happens to be. It just so happens that he's the only one that survives, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then second off, that he's like, it. The, the plane crash happens at like this thing, this entrance to like a, a new A lighthouse world. in the it's middle like, of the Atlantic what Ocean. What are the freaking odds? Like, like what is that doing that's there? That's insane. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I guess, you know, destiny calls, you know, one way or the other. So anyways, I have no idea. Well, that's, that's part of the mystery that makes it so compelling. Yeah, it's, it's like crazy. there's no way that's an accident that this right. lighthouse is in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, first of all. Second of all, that I crash landed right next to it. Right there, yes, exactly. <laughs> so clearly there's something else and, going and on here. how right? does this game work without that intrigue? Sure. Like how did they – and I, I don't know what they had beforehand, but it's like that is so intriguing. It's yeah. just – it's almost impossible for me to accept that this was an afterthought sure. of sorts. Yeah. Um, it's really hard for me. But one of the cool things is that this airplane has a wing on it, right? Like mm. a, the, the wing – has a bird wing on it. That's an angel wing. I'll put it that sure. way. So we have an, a fallen angel well, that happens. This is the, the fall of sister, an angel. right? She says later he looks like an angel, He right? looks like an angel. I didn't I notice that, that there was here. an angel wing on the notes. plane, though. Yes, the plane has um, on the tail of it, I believe. There's like a oh, logo. But nice. it's like, you know, like the Detroit Red Wings? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It's like that kind of a wing, you yeah, know? Yeah, sure. But it's got a wing on it, which is like, so you get the imagery of fiery angel wings thing crashing down into Earth. So, mm. so a fallen angel... Generally speaking, that's what I—that's what I am to understand from this sequence. That's right at the really, really interesting. Yeah, because you see the plane yeah. come down in the water. You see like yes. the whole of the plane, and that's when you can see right uh, where, where you see is. the symbol the you're talking wing. about. Yes, on yeah. It. yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't even see that. That's so cool. Yeah, it's um, super cool. <laughs> so I want to do this real quick, um, just to let people in the know know that I know what you're thinking of <laughs> without spoiling anything. <laughs> um, did you take a note on the, the note itself that's written that's on the gift, on the present that he's holding in his hand? Any notes on that or what was written on no, that? No, actually, no. Okay. No. I'm, not going not. To, I'm not going to repeat it, and I don't encourage anybody to go back and look at it or to speculate <laughs> on what it is. I'm just saying to those who know, I know what's on that card. And I will talk about well, it. Well, I may have subconsciously intuited something, but I, I, I didn't take a note, and I don't. I couldn't tell you what it said. So yeah, uh, I will bring that up later, uh, just for now to avoid being too on the nose or spoiling anything. Okay. So okay. So um, we also then see when the plane crashes, we see a large tower with a statue of a man with wings holding a light up high. Mm-hmm. So with the wind and the plane and the descent into a lake of fire we see an ascendant figure coming out of the midst of it with the promise of a heavenly light, right? Yeah. So generally speaking, a lighthouse signifies safety, hope, and security, right? right. Why did the plane crash right there? Like, I remember I, I had seen this, uh, this intro a long time ago, 
And for whatever reason, I didn't get that this time. But when I first saw it, and I wasn't paying attention because I wasn't the one playing, um, I thought that the statue caused the plane crash. That's like, mm. this plane's just flying along. And oh my gosh, there's a statue <laughs> right in, in, in the, the middle, middle of the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. What? And then it clips the wing of the plane and the plane crashes. Well, I guess it would have to be flying a really low altitude. It would be it, pretty but, dang low. Yeah. But for whatever reason, because I couldn't make any other sense of the fact that the plane crashed here. Yeah. And that this thing is here after the crash. It just didn't yeah. make any sense. Right. Now I see that like, okay, maybe something else Else happened, is going right? on. Yeah. Um, but anyways... Um, what do we have? Um, the fate may play a part in all of this. So the fallen one, which I guess would be us, sees the promise of an ascent or a reascent, right? Back mm-hmm. up. Um, the fallen angel can make his make his um, ascent. Ascent, yeah. Um, and so we make our way in that direction. Uh, the play on fate reminds me of, um, well, do you know the story of Adolf Hitler in World War One, where he was positioned in a bunker and there was like 20 people in his little platoon? Oh, I haven't and heard this. No. He walked out to go take care of a small, I can't remember what it was, to do a very menial task. He left the bunker. Mm. While he was gone, the um, bunker got bombed and everyone died. No way, yes. dude. So Adolf Hitler comes back and sees that this whole horrific scene and everyone there and that he would have died too had he not left, you know, a minute or two, like sooner wow. or later, something like that. And so with that comes a survivor complex of feeling important and special, right? So mm, people can go two ways with yeah, that. Mm-hmm. You can go one way where it's like, oh my gosh, like, um, like, uh, like you can get depressed and like, oh my gosh, what, like what you is life? I can't believe this it. happened. Yeah. You feel guilty that you yeah. survived. That the, you can go the other way though, which is like, whoa, I'm important. I'm important. <laughs> I must, fate must have a very special role. And that's the way that Hitler went, right? Was right. that I'm important. I might actually be immortal and, yeah. you know, I can do things other people can't do and I'm special and Hitler, um, or that fate smiles on me and all that stuff. So anyways, yeah. um, like he's destined to do great things. <clears throat> but immediately inside of the building, this is great, we see a denial of God and a denial of fate and only an acceptance of the existence of the human being, right? Mm. That that's the, the raw at its core, that it's like the only thing that we know of that's true potential of existence is the, is the human itself, right? So it's like there are no kings, there is no God, you're in charge of your own life. So yeah. that's a denial of fate. It's that's, a denial of God. This uh, banner there it is, is o- what you there see it is. right only behind man. us. Yep. And so the idea being that like it's it's a denial of fate. It's a denial of the most obvious thing that just happened, yeah, right? right? It's like we just crashed a plane in the middle of nowhere and there's this thing and we have never been here. We don't know what's going on. And like that is clear fate, mm, right? Yeah. And then the banner is like, screw you. There's no such thing as fate, right? You you willed this. You, mm-hmm. you using your human power willed this into being, right? Yeah. So um, – I think that's just fascinating. So in humanity, in just being a human, lies ultimate meaning. I, I just want to uh, – I, I think uh, it, it's, we're kind of finding a funny trend here where specifically for a game I've played before that you haven't, Yeah. you, you get real, real like <laughs> – invested Early in the intros on. of the games, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know what's happening. And I'm holding off for fear of spoilers. Uh, uh, but I do want to I do want to insert right here that what you are saying is so <laughs> it is so spot on. Oh good. Uh, as <laughs> to like, like where the story is going. This idea of uh, the philosophy of of willing and the, and, 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 the and, and, and kind that, of thing, right? uh, an examination of fate or 
your own will yeah. is like a really key thing to keep in mind. I'm just saying okay. that so that people don't think that I'm just sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> but because I love it. I mean, I love that we do this. Yeah and, yeah. and and I think that the audience has expressed a lot, loving seeing you making predictions and things like that. Because so often, because of uh, you know the archetypes and things like that that you've studied, um, you're basically able. And that that's that, that's is why yeah. film analysis, story analysis, is really valuable because you you kind of yeah. start to see the archetypes and what they mean and why they're repeated as often right. as they are in stories. And it's not just, oh, I've seen that before. I'm yeah, so boring. tired of seeing this. Yeah. There, there, there's a reason that certain stories grab people. And uh, anyways, the point, <clears throat> point I'm trying to make is <clears throat> you're really on the right path with what you're saying here. Okay, good. <laughs> so thus we see that the angel atop the tower is not ascending. He is not going to heaven. He is bringing heaven down, down to man, right? Man is reaching up and pulling the light downward. And so as we enter the, and this may have something to do with the plane, pulling angels down too, something mm. like that, right? Like like pulling the, the principalities of heaven down to be mingled and used by, by man to their own ends, right? So yeah, the angel is not going to heaven. Uh, man is reaching up and pulling it down. So as we enter the elevator shaft, we go down down into the depths of the water. The statues are probably meant to be like Atlas, who, mm -hmm. who does not ascend. Um, he can't be like the other gods. Atlas can't go chill on Mount Olympus, right? Right. He has to sit up and hold. And there's a little bit of a misconception about Atlas, the idea of Atlas holding the world, right? right. That's a famous statue, and it's correct-ish in a way. Not um, in the literal sense, but, right? Yeah. But technically, like the Greeks believed that Atlas held up the sky. Yeah. Not the world, right? Yeah, right. And anyway, so the like I guess by doing one, your feet are holding up. The world, <laughs> depending on how you get it's all, it's kind of hard to it. depict that any other way. <laughs> yeah. I guess. But Atlas is holding up the sky, and there's that big legend with Hercules, where Hercules offers to trade to hold up the sky for a little bit while he goes, and then Atlas doesn't want to hold the sky up anymore. Mm, but yep. Hercules tricks him back to holding the sky again, so that Hercules can leave. Um, but yeah, Atlas isn't necessarily holding the world; he's holding up the sky um, from like crushing people. Right. Um, so, uh, I see, oh yeah. So Atlas holds aloft the sky, keeping a firmament, um, in between the earth and the, and the, the heavens. Mm -hmm. So although I see a lot of signs of ascent, oh, I said, although I do see a lot of signs of ascent. Yeah. So let us ascend. <laughs> rapture, the word rapture. It's all about yeah. going to heaven and leaving earth behind. Right. Right. So that perhaps, yeah, uh, reference. the idea, and I, be, I believe it's in the book of Revelation. So perhaps the statues do represent ascent, although these look like protest signs. Okay, this is great. Um, as soon as we get out and about, there's like protest signs on the ground. And mm -hmm. stuff. People saying like, let us, uh, what, what did one of the protest signs say? I can't, I, maybe I wrote it down a little bit later. Like, let us, let us um, ascend, something yeah. like that. Let us ascend. Right. We want to ascend. That like, they feel like there's a promise that's been denied to them, right? So mm -hmm. that's fascinating. My note, I'm just all over the place because I actually didn't separate this with notes. <laughs> so where I wrote, if I had to guess, the founder of the city promised rapture and brought heaven down to earth. However, what the people really wanted to do was to go up to heaven. So there's a dissonance between uh, what the statues mean. However, it seems that we are meant to ascend ultimately. We were taken to the bottom of the city, but from there we keep going up and up and up, more or less like towards the surface. Right. I don't know if that's like exactly correct or not. That's my first note, by the way. This, <laughs> the first note of so the game. <laughs> everything I just said is my first single note of the game. All my other notes are much less scatterbrained, I promise. Um, but yeah, okay. So that's that's what I got. <laughs> okay. Um, 
well, I guess before we start getting into uh, talking about some of the dialogue, because I just kind of have the script pulled up, and I want to go kind of line by line on a lot of the things oh, we good. get in this in this introductory chapter. But I I I also wanted to comment on just the masterful tone setting that is done here, like and the, the pacing colors too. and the contrast. And yeah, well, tone in colors, but like tone is in like uh, how it feels okay, to be the story and the... getting dragged down into this crazy yeah. situation. You and see like the whales pacing swimming of it. and it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just, there is such a unique aesthetic, which we yeah. talked about last time to the world of Rapture anyways, in specifically in the first person shooter genre, right? Where most first person shooters, if they're not sci-fi military, they're uh, yeah. You know, contemporary military, Call of Duty, World War Battlefield, II, that yeah. sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, so this is just really unique. But on top of that, you mean the, this music, the visuals, the... I mean, it's not really cinematography because it's all um, first person, basically. But but the yeah. fact that they use the bathyspheres uh, sort of like portal there that you're looking yeah, through right. to sort of oh, like yes. frame that's right. what they want you to look yeah. at, is it's all... Even just all the way through the section, just like so masterfully crafted tone-wise yeah. to set this really offsetting, unnerving, uncomfortable, horror-esque kind of place. Paradoxical. Like this yeah. place that looks so beautiful, speaking of paradox, yeah, but that is like horrific at the same time. Yeah. And it's hard to look away from it. It's fascinating, but yeah. it's clearly like terrifying too. And like uh, everything that happens, the 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 pace at which it moves is just, it's it's basically a perfect hook to a story. Yeah. Like if you're if you're looking for like examples, um, I mean we've talked about others, but this is up there for me as being is. like one of the greatest introductory sequences, one of the greatest it, hooks I've ever quick, seen. It's quick too. It's they're not, not belaboring yes. the point. No, not spending forever. They're not like slowly like giving you tons of mysteries. It's all just kind of presented right there. Yeah. There's mystery for sure. But like they don't belabor the point. They they know that they're going to get you into gameplay as quick right. as possible. And and they do. And like you two, feel like you're. Minutes. That's that's another big like personal philosophy of mine. I guess I'm not a developer, but if I yeah. were, I better be playing the game before an hour has gone by. Oh, for sure, <laughs> at, at least an hour. This game, it's like uh, two or three minutes. Yeah. Well, I guess technically you swim around for a, a little bit. I don't sure. call that playing the game yet. But yeah. But but yeah, like I I'm a huge believer that the player should be playing the game as soon as possible. Yeah, there are a lot of games, yeah. particularly JRPGs, which yes. we talk about a lot, that do not follow that principle, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it annoys me. But I, I love this. Uh, An I, hour though, I mean, you even have loose standards there, and it's still they still I can't know. do it. I huh? know there are still games that take longer <laughs> than that, you know, to get started. Um, yeah. Anyway, I won't get any specific examples for That's now, all good. but. Yeah, like the introductory sequence is so important and it does it does everything right. It presents really intriguing mysteries, yes. not by not through exposition, but through like it, you just it doesn't have to say, "Oh, isn't it crazy that there's this giant lighthouse in the middle of the no, ocean?" No one has to point no that out to you. No one has to, to say that to yeah. you. It's just crazy. It's you just, just see the thing and you go, "Wait a minute." This can't be coincidence. What right. is going on? Oh my gosh, I'm getting in this thing and there's a whole city underwater. This is freaking nuts. And you get and then there's like the splicer that you find who attacks that character oh, at right the at the beginning and they're trying to like break in and it's just like so hectic and chaotic and moving fast and then you got Atlas talking to you yeah, and and yeah. he's like guiding you and stuff like that and it, it it just all gets moving but it's also fascinating too. Um 
I, I don't really know what else to say other than just like applause to like yes. the, 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 the craftsmanship of this scene. It's, it's, yeah, it's, great. it's so good. It's so good. I, I loved every second of it. You know what else it is, right? It's a birth sequence. Right. Yeah. Just you have like, a whole video you were writing on. Yes. This. yes. And I, it's basically done. But <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, there are a lot of games that do this specifically, um, open world, you know, MMO type games. Um, yeah. But what was it? I talked about Metal Gear Solid that did this and a few other games that we've uh, covered here on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think Final Breath Fantasy X has something like that. Breath of the Wild does. Final Fantasy um, Games yeah. that have really good, like basically just like a birth sequence where you are almost, almost literally born into, into a the world, world, right? Yeah. And so this one's really good because you're, you're going through the water in this constri- restricted kind of space. So whatever he was in his past life, has has ended and he is now entering a new life right yeah. and it's going through the water and we're stuck in this tight little space and mm-hmm. we can't move and we're seeing things happen around us but then we we enter this narrow passage which is you know the the birth out of the water into this new world uh, like almost literally a new world yeah because um what rapture it's just unlike anything that you've ever seen before and right. like you have no idea what's going on but it's not the world that you're used to that's what you know for sure so, um, yeah, it's a birth sequence, and it's really, really well done. It's Absolutely awesome. beautiful. It's, in, it's incredibly good. So um, uh, Another thing, too, those statues that you see everywhere, just yeah. all over. There's statues holding up the ceilings, that statue at the beginning with the lighthouse. Um, well, not this statue, not this guy, but the other ones. Yeah, you know? right. Um, they're really cool, but they're, um, they're done in this, like, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s kind of style mm-hmm. um, that's called Art Deco. And there are a ton of things, especially in New York City, that you can find. Like we mentioned in episode right. one, the, the Rockefeller Center, I think, yep. mm-hmm. has a lot of that architecture in it because it was built around that time. Um, but also the Hoover Dam was yep. built in the 30s. And there's a statue at the Hoover Dam that is a statue in this game. They oh, are really? the exact same oh, statue. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's of this just, it's all men, but it's this dude standing up with these angel wings and this light beam behind him, and it's just like really powerful looking, and it's like humanism, basically, in yeah. statue form. Mm. And um, at the Hoover Dam, this statue has an inscription beneath it, and it was after the statue was finished. But it says, uh, man made the desert bloom. Mm. So this, once again, this is... Not God, yep. not fate, yep. not anything. We did this. Yeah. Man, and this is hubris, yeah, right? right? This is man has the power to do whatever we want. We can make the desert bloom. We can make a city underwater. We can do whatever we want to mm-hmm. because we are the gods, right? Yeah. And this was, a, this was kind of the big philosophy that was sweeping, humanism just in general, that was sweeping through around 1920s, 30s, 40s in America. It's still big today, um, but Chaos this, theory, this right? is kind of the it's idea a, of it. Chaos theory from Jurassic Park. Yeah, which life, way? life finds a way. Life, you can't, about, you about, can't, about, uh, you can't resurrect dinosaurs. You can't play God. Well, you can. Well, well, what, what is this you. line in that? It's like God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God, God creates, creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates man dinosaurs. Creates <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, women inherit the earth or whatever. Yeah, right. Dinosaur eats man. <clears throat> okay, so yes, that's great. So, but it's just hubris. This, the, it's just, uh, it's a great lesson in in hubris. Everything that we're seeing, because yeah, you got a city underwater, and it's leaking. <laughs> like, yeah. yep. This city will not is not long yeah. for this world, right? It, it almost seems too it's obvious. Slowly filling like, up. What were you thinking? What was were you happen? thinking? <laughs> and it's so obvious, but at the same time, it's like, well, we built a city in a desert. Yeah. We did do that. That is yeah, true. That's true. 
And one day, I think people who live in a city in the desert may regret it. Yeah. But it is not this day. Not this day. <laughs> this day, <laughs> they uh, have fun and, and get to this day they've got, party in the desert. They've got some, uh, you know, aquifers that they can yes. still draw from. Well, for the moment. For the time <laughs> being, they still have some aquifers. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. Oh, it's just great. So that exact statue, I'll, I'll point out where it comes uh, a little bit later. Uh, my next note here is basically on Andrew Ryan's sort of introduction to Rapture ah. here. Uh, oh, yeah, that video. That? Mm-hmm. Or, okay. Nope. So I want to get into like the actual uh, dialogue itself here. Now, it, it, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably not lost on many people in the audience that Andrew Ryan's name. I know, that took two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> is I mean, Ayn Rand. Right, I didn't want to, yes. I, I was trying not to spoil a character in the, before anyone had started playing the yeah. game who hadn't played it before. But yeah, I mean, Andrew Ryan is supposed to embody Ayn Rand's sort of philosophy of objectivism. And mm-hmm. that was his entire motivation behind building this underwater yeah. city, which is basically what he explains here in his opening monologue. So he says, I am Andrew Ryan, and I'm here to ask you a question. Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? Right. No, says the man in Washington, it belongs to the poor. No, says the man at the, in the Vatican, it belongs to God. Right. No, says the man in Moscow, it belongs to everyone. I rejected those answers. Instead, I choose something different. I choose the impossible. I choose rapture. And that's when it opens up and you see the city. It's just like perfectly yeah. timed. It, it's very almost like Disney-esque, like a yes, Disney ride. Yes, it's very Disney-like. That's um, true. Yes. In fact, <laughs> I make a few comments later on. There are several parts in this game that feel like a Disneyland yep. ride. And, and, and yeah. someone brought this up in the comments. I saw this, and, and uh, this was actually something I was aware of because I watched a documentary on Disney. I think it was on Netflix. Oh, really? It was like Disney's life. I saw the comment, um, too. Yeah. But uh, Disney World's original concept was that it was going to be like this ideal, almost utopian yeah. town or city. Like it would be a whole town. That was that people would actually a Disney live World that people yeah. would live in, right? And it was this futuristic idea, like Tomorrowland. Think, think <laughs> Tomorrowland, basically, yeah. but like brought to life. Huh. What you know? That's what the monorail was supposed to be testing, like uh, tra- oh, public transport. transportation oh, and how it would work there. Um, so <laughs> that's crazy. this is this is a I little did not bit. Know that. Uh, Disney-esque in terms yeah. of its presentation, the style of presentation yeah. that, that Andrew Ryan does to tell you the story yeah. of Rapture because that's, that's, that's right. what all, it's the theme park, that's all the rides are. They're, they're themed after these stories, these, yeah. these movies that you know, Disney uh, produced. And uh, so they're, they're, they're constructed in that way where like the bath sphere entering the city is like a, basically like a theme park ride. Yeah. Which and is really, really cool yes, and also unnerving cool. at the same time because it's like a person, this, uh, what would you call it? This sort of like dedicated to his ideals. Um, this person who is obviously powerful, influential, wealthy, capable, smart, all of these things is still like got this almost, I don't know how else to put it, like Disney-like mindset yeah, yeah. Behind how this is going to work, and it and it almost yeah, comes yeah. across right away as being so uh, just misguided, sure. and, and so um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, my I mean, brain is not naive. Working. Naive, right? yeah, naive. Yeah. It's extremely naive to yeah. think that this was going to work. Yes, 
<laughs> it's kind of the point I'm getting at. And, and th- that all kind of comes together in a way that just feels so right. And, and it's part of that tone setting I'm talking about where it feels unnerving because, you know, we've all been to theme parks and we think about them in a certain way, yeah. but like reality or like a real society functioning like Disneyland just seems <laughs> wrong. Like, yes, that's you know what true. I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but this guy thought he could make it work. And anyway, I just thought it was fascinating uh, the way that that's presented. Um, But obviously the the ideology here is objectivism. And that's where this banner kind of came from. He he explains it right there. Mm. No... No gods, no no kings. No gods, no kings. No no country. That was actually from... uh, I was thinking of that because we had just talked about um, Pan's Labyrinth. We just did an episode on that. Oh, yes. That That was right. That's right. But, yeah, none of those things. Only man. It's it's you. you. The sweat of your brow. It's like pure... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. pure like capitalist thinking right yes. no uh no regulation on any of that it's yes, it's you yes. are rewarded uh it, almost like a, a complete like uh unrestricted meritocracy kind of yes. a thing going yes, on yes, here yes. right yeah so um you're, you're kind of going through here his, his monologue goes on um a city where the artist would not fear the censor where the scientist would not be bound by petty morality there are uh, there the great would not be constrained by the small, and with the sweat of your brow, rapture can become your city as well. So um, sci- science free of ethics, what could it accomplish? Sure, yes. <laughs> great and terrible things. <laughs> great and terrible things, and that's exactly what we're looking yes. at. Yeah, a, yeah. a great and a, great a terrible and thing. Terrible thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's so <laughs> funny that in the midst of this. Disney-esque presentation, yeah. this enormous hubris behind <laughs> the how this is being, the, 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 uh, the grandiose nature, the, the grandstanding almost upon, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, with which he is doing this. You're hearing Atlas on the radio and Johnny, this guy who gets like torn apart by the splicer right away. Uh, right. You're starting to hear the sounds of the chaos happening here. Yeah, yeah. The way that these two things are intertwined are just freaking brilliant, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. So Atlas says... But the lighthouse is all lit up like hellfire. Looks like some kind of plane crash. So they're Mm. here referencing someone's coming down, right? Like something's happening. Johnny says, we're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. How could it? And Atlas says, don't know. Uh, You best get over there and be quick about it. The splicers are coming. So then the bathysphere sort of comes into this port, right? Uh, Where it locks in in, into like a building there. Johnny says, you've got to be kidding. How do you know someone's even coming? And Atlas says, because we got a bathysphere on its way down, that means we've got company. Johnny says, okay, just one more minute. The sphere, the sphere is coming up now. So this is when you're like pulling in. Yeah. And then Johnny obviously, uh, or Atlas says, Johnny, security's banging off all over. Uh, get a move on. So the splicers, and, and we talked about this a little bit last time. And we get an introduction to all of these three factions we talked about before here. So the Splicers are the Harvester faction, which was part of the original gameplay concept of Bios- uh, Bioshock. Uh, the Big Daddies are the yeah. Protectors, and the, the little, little sisters, sisters are the Drones. Yeah. Right. So we're getting introduction to each of these factions. The Splicers are the first ones we see. So it's basically just this woman with like hooks for hands. Yeah, that's, she looks <laughs> great, and she has superhuman abilities. Yes, I'll tell you that definitely. Yeah. Um, so Johnny is confronted by this Splicer. Please, lady, I don't mean no trespass. Just don't hurt me. Just let me go. You can keep my gun. You can, and he screams as she's killing him. And then she sees uh, Jack, us, inside the bathysphere. Uh, 
is it someone new? And she jumps on top of it and starts trying to like break trying inside, break right? In, yeah. And you're you're just stuck in there, like oh, I know you what, can't do anything. Well, this do? is this is the helplessness of 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 a child. Sure. Right. So we are Dude. like not just like the childbirth motif is really. Um, good here but it's not just the fact that oh the symbolism is there but we're we're you know it's like no we're literally helpless and yeah. this is like horrific so a bit of a tangent for just one minute if you'll <laughs> permit me everybody. of course um there is something to this birth archetype motif for yeah. introductory sequences that really i think just works and resonates with people yeah and i, I think so one of the parts of the novel i've been writing that I've struggled with the most is getting the intro right. Oh, it's yeah. kind of the same situation where I feel like the book is there. Like I feel like the book yeah. is in a really good place, but when I have people read it, they tend to struggle with the beginning. The prologue, right? Yeah, the prologue. I remember I've read the prologue too, and yeah. it's it's sweet. It's really good. It's long. But it's, it may not be the best first you know, pages. Yeah, like like th- how this might not be the right place to introduce yeah, people yeah. to the story. And I've I've reworked it. I've tried so many different ways. I've shortened it a ton. Maybe it works now. I don't know. But I, but, <laughs> but what I've been thinking about lately is yeah. maybe I should try a birth motif sequence as the introduction of my story. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I had this idea back when Planet Earth Two came out. Uh, did you oh, you saw the original Planet Earth? Yeah, yeah. Series, I think I've seen BBC. Two. I think I've seen both. Series. So Planet Earth 2 yeah. has perhaps the most compelling uh, thing ever captured in like animal or wildlife documentary yeah. filmmaking I've ever seen. So they're, they're on these like islands basically. And these, uh, these aquatic lizards will live on the rocky sort of like uh, shoreline and they dive in the water. They eat the seaweed on, on the seafloor. But they go pretty far inland into I, the sand yeah, yep, to yeah. lay their eggs, and then they yeah. abandon them. Yeah. So what happens? Well, it's is, an evolutionary pressure thing. It's a mechanism to yes. ensure that only the best yes make it actually out. make it out. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> so essentially, what happens is these lizards, these little lizards, come through the sand. The second they are born, there are just a a, a I don't even know what to call it. There are thousands of snakes yep. waiting to eat them the second yep. they are born. That's just From the moment they that know life, they are running for their life. Yes. <laughs> and it is... It's normal for them. So compelling to watch. It's, it is. You're sitting there on the edge of your yes. seat like, no, little baby lizard. <laughs> like, no, it's right there. Don't you see it? Please escape. It's incredibly, yeah. incredibly... Uh, well shot and captured. Well, they're able to turn it into a story. Yes. As we talked about, you know, yes, for our right. Pan's Labyrinth episode. Um, they're able to tell just a lizard being born and existing in the world. They're able to turn it into a story that we're on the edge of our seat watching. Right. It's just right. crazy. Right. And yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of that going on here. It's like we are completely helpless. We have just been born in this world and this quite powerful being from this world we are totally unfamiliar with is immediately attacking us right the, away. at the moment of our birth. And that was kind of the thought mm, that I had. And so I've actually had already built that concept into sort of like the mythology of the story I'm writing, but now I'm thinking maybe I should write a different introduction just to give it a shot, trying something yeah. like that, where yeah, the moment well. a character is born into the world, they are being chased by something like right away. Oh, anyway, that's crazy. That's Humans a teaser aren't built for, for that, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> teaser for uh, I know that's the hard part is that yeah. human beings are so it's helpless when they're helpless born until they're like they, ten years old. Not we can't make. do jack. But there's ways around that. I have some yes. ideas. Okay, Anyways, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, the splicer does not get into the bathosphere, um, and so uh, we basically Atlas becomes our mother <laughs> figure. Yes, guides uh, us if, through. If we're to the, follow the process, the, the the birthing sort of motif here. That's right. It's gonna. Yep. He's gonna guide us. I guess you could say mother, father, parental figure, who's gonna guide us through it's this world mother, and keep yeah. us alive. So he kind of comes on the radio uh, after the splicer sort of like gives up. Would you kindly pick up that shock or, or that shortwave radio, which is there, so you can talk to him, right? Yeah. I don't know how you survived that plane crash, but I've never uh, been one to question providence. There I'm, you go. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, we're talking about fate or yeah. free you know, Okay, so I'm well, just Well, right away, this sets up Atlas at, is at odds he, with, with Andrew, Andrew Ryan. Ryan. Yes. Because Andrew Ryan's like, there's no providence. And Atlas is like, hey, I've never been one to question providence. Yes. Right? So it's like the, these are opposing, despite both of their names coming from Ayn Rand, <laughs> Ayn Rand's source. Now, sure. I know Atlas comes from the Greek mythology, but the book is called Atlas Shrugged. Um, so it's funny that they're like separate. They're, yeah. That I th- I thought uh, understanding the names of these characters that they'd be similar, but it's like no, they aren't. Yep, they are at odds. Or they may be philosophically. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. So um, I'm number one to question Providence. I'm Atlas, and I aim to keep you alive. Now keep on moving. We're gonna get to you, or we're gonna get you to higher ground. Take a deep That's breath. That's where I got the ascent thing from. Yeah. <clears throat> take uh, take a deep breath and step out of the bathosphere. I won't leave you twisting in the wind. We're going to need to draw her out of hiding, but you're going to uh, have to trust me. So he's basically going to be the one guiding you, telling you everything to do. Now, um, I'll just say this. Uh, uh, for those who are interested in storytelling analysis, right? Mm. this is like a perfect setup for an unreliable narrator or somebody, oh, okay. you know, like yeah. when when because we don't know anything you about are Atlas. first introduced into a world and someone's telling you, okay, I'm going to be your guide yeah, and yeah, I know sure. nothing about the situation. This is a perfect opportunity for someone to be yeah. manipulative or to mislead you sure. for their own purposes. So anytime this happens in a story, um, I'm yeah. immediately skeptical Suspicious, of yeah. the person, <laughs> just just as a general rule because yeah. I don't know what right. your motives are. You sound like you're going to help me right. and you probably will to gain my trust, but how do I know? Yeah, I know it's weird. What I, you really want. It, you know? that there's not taking advantage of some, just the situation. Yeah. It's funny because it's like, uh, anytime you have a narrator guiding you through things, but you don't know who they are. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's strange. It's a yeah. strange situation. That's for sure. For sure. So, uh, just a bit further, uh, how do you like that? Uh, let's see. Because he, he leads you, oh, no, he, 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 he controls that little, like, um, flying drone thing that shoots the splicer and scares it away. He's kind of, uh, like, clearing the path for you, right? Right, right. Um, but he's the one uh, who guides you, first of all, to your first weapon. Now, would you kindly uh, find a crowbar or something? Bloody splicer sealed. So you get that, it, it's like a little wrench that yeah, you hit people with. Yeah, it's like with, a monkey right? wrench, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he guides you to the first plasmid, right? There's that, almost that like dispenser where you get the the syringe, right? yep. And he asks you to. Uh, he says, st- uh, "What does he say?" I want to know the exact line here. Yeah, I didn't write down. Found your first weapon. He goes further, fighting with several splicers. 
finds Gatherer's Garden and gets the first plasmid electrobolt. So the first plasmid is um, electrobolt. That's the, the first power that you get in the game, right? Yeah. You, you so, stick it in. Yeah. And Atlas says, steady now. Your genetic code is being rewritten. Just hold on and everything will be fine. <laughs> just, everything's cool. Your genetic code's being rewritten. <laughs> just chill. Just wait. Now, this is possibly why the title Bioshock is okay, what it there is, you go. right? Oh, it's I didn't even think biologically... About and, and then it's, shock. It's sh shocking people. You, it's, right. you know, could could be one of the reasons for the name. Um, so he falls over. He sort of like uh, falls unconscious. And as that happens, um, a big daddy essentially walks by. One yeah. of these guys, right? These dudes. Yep. That, that's sort of like the key art of the game. Um, really cool design, by the way. I freaking love oh, the design cool. of the big daddies. It's really yeah. terrifying, imposing sort of figure there. And a little sister come up. And, uh, well, first of all, I think it's, there's two splicers who are kind of like poking at your, poking at you a little bit. Mm. Uh, and then, and then when they hear the big daddy, they get scared and they run off. Right. Um, and so the little sister says, look, Mr. Bubbles, it's an angel. An this angel. is why I thought it was yeah. key that you kind of saw that. That symbol on the on the airplane, right? Little sister calls us an angel, and then I say, okay, there we have it, right? Yeah, right. You always seek for confirmation whenever you have the, a symbolic reading for things, um, and it may fit, it may not, who knows. I'll always look for a, a confirmation that you're right, or that it may have been intentional yeah. by the artist, and this was that for me. Right. So it's an angel. I can see light coming from his belly. And she's got this, like... That's crazy. Thing she uses to extract Adam with, as we learn later, but Adam. it's like as big as her. It's like enormous. Oh, yeah, this it's like enormous needle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thing that she's holding, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Wait a minute. He's still breathing. It's all right. I know he'll be an angel soon. That's right. Yeah. Really interesting line there. I don't know if you made anything from that. Other I than didn't, other than, oh, okay, she referred to us as an angel because we died. I still think there's more to it than, <laughs> than just that, but sure. it's fine. But the way she says it, I know he'll be an angel soon, is like, yeah. oh, creepy, it's creepy, dude. It's really creepy. It's so, uh, <laughs> but I do have some general stuff to say about this. Okay. Um, because the way that Eve is portrayed mm -hmm. in this game is through the character Eve, sure. right, on like a poster board, and that's what we're injecting ourselves with, right? Is mm. that more or less how it works i'm just yeah. making sure well, well well i mean there's okay. going to be more details about adam and eve and all that that'll <clears throat> yeah. be revealed so along adam way, is what but, the yeah. little sisters have but eve is what yes. your like magic stuff right yeah the plasmids the plasmids so the idea is that on the posters of eve it says um it says bite the f apple or something like that like come bite the fruit mm. i took a lot of notes on these posters that are all over everywhere but one of them is like come bite the fruit and it's a it's a woman that's offering you know fruit and after partaking of that fruit that we get we f we then fall right? right so we fall down there's a the the they call it the fall when adam the and fall eve of adam and eve fruit. yeah um but um we also get so it's called the Gatherer's Garden. Is that what they call it? Mm -hmm. So we have Eve and the Gatherer's Garden, um, the plasmids that give you godlike powers, right? Yeah. But it's presented as fruit, right? So it could be uh, and the idea metaphor for gnosis, maybe. Sure. <laughs> but the, but that's but that's the idea of the fruit of the tree of gnosis. The sure. fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the you get the power of God. You know, you get to become as as God, knowing good and evil. Good and evil. Yeah. Right. And so. Um, 
The symbolism of a man reaching up and taking down the power of God makes sense. It's the story of Adam and Eve, um, and this is where they were banished. And it was a good thing, as the Gnostic texts of the Nag Hammadi library state. Mm. But their fun is prime to end as the flood is coming, right? So it's the idea is that you reach down, you take the fruit, and it's like, oh, great, but now you're going to have to deal with the flood. You're going to have to deal with all, all sorts of other stuff that's coming, right? Um, so this is interesting because it looks like Andrew Ryan was trying to remake the Garden of Eden. Instead of returning to it through God, he makes his own in defiance of God, something like that. Um, <clears throat> so there's this, the idea of, the, of Eden is the idea of rapture, right? Where it's like, we, we're going to make our own thing. We're going to remake the Garden of Eden. And so, but we're going to do it ourselves. Yeah. I also have this other idea of the flood just in general, because as you're going through, you're seeing leaks and yep. you're seeing water come through everywhere, right? So go figure, it begins to flood, right? The judgment of God, so to speak, is upon the city. The great men, the men of renown, caused a situation in their hubris that brought about a flood. Their ark was built underwater in, mm. in defiance of God, but the flood is coming and the fallen angels... Uh, another word for a fallen angel being Nephilim, right, 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 right which right, are right. the giants before the flood. Right, Anyways, right, right. this is great. The fallen angels have come. The Nephilim are here. This city is doomed. Mm. Why does every game we play have to have the same <laughs> <laughs> the same motifs well, in them? This goes back to kind of what we're saying is that <laughs> exactly. the archetypes are compelling for a reason. Like yes. these are meaningful uh, ideas. They, they mean something to us. Yeah. They mean something to our lives. It's not just frivolous. It's not just entertainment, right? And it's not like I'm stretching. It's literally Eve is on the I poster. Know, right? We're going to be showing it <laughs> on the screen. Like it's literally Eve. It's called Eve and Adam and it's a garden. And there's, it's, there's it's a reason obvious. the story of Adam and Eve survived and has been retold and exactly. carried and it yes. made part of a tradition as in, long as it in has. In different ways. This is just kind of another retelling yeah, of that right. story. Right. Yeah, it's great. Okay, so uh, then we get in the elevator. You right? kind of come back to Atlas says, "You all right, Boyo? First time plasmid, uh, a real kick from a mule, but here's nothing. Uh, but here's nothing like a fistful of lightning. Now, or there's nothing. I should be there's nothing there's like nothing, a fistful yeah. of lightning. So that's where you're able to do your shock power. Yeah. From this point, you're kind of uh, encouraged through the tutorial section of the game to shock." The enemy first, then beat them with the wrench. And then beat them, yeah. And that's kind of your, your And if they're in water, punch. bonus points with the electricity. Because right. it, like, can spread and hurt more. Right, exactly. So if they're, yeah, if they're standing in a pool of water, boom, you just hit it and they can, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the introductory power. Um, By the way, the elevator that we get on after this here, uh -huh. as we go to the next kind of stage, is an angel. But it is that statue from the Hoover Dam. Oh, yeah. Um, it's at the elevator. It's at that part. Gotcha. And that's where you'll see the uh, basically the exact thing from the Hoover Dam. Nice. Um, so Atlas then gives you a little bit more about like what he wants you to do, right? So listen, I've got a family. I need to get them out of here. But the splicers have cut me off from them. If you can reach them in Neptune's bounty, then maybe, just maybe. I know you must feel like the unluckiest man in the world right now, but you're the only hope I'll have or I'll ever see my wife and child again. See, and why? Yeah. We just showed up here. We just right. bumbled. He apparently knew some other dude before we got here. Like, why are we his only hope of right. seeing his family? It doesn't make sense. There's other people here, presumably. Yeah. And this is... Big mystery. This is something I, again, I, I'm trying to be very careful. I, I yeah. The last thing I want to do is spoil any of the plot twists of this game because they're so good. But I just want to uh, point out 
uh, that what they're playing with a little bit here in a certain way is that a lot of times when you're playing a video game, right, you think there, there's this real illusion of like choice in games. Yeah, even in true. games that's that like true. are meant to be open and you can approach it how you want yeah, to and kind of, form your own yeah. strategy or make your choices about which where the story goes it doesn't matter how many options the developer gives you there is no such thing really as choice they're funneling <laughs> in, you towards in, they're, they in are a pushing you in a direction yeah and a lot of times particularly in in games like this that are really strongly narratively driven and very linear mm -hmm. um you kind of just do what the game tells you to do <laughs> what else are you, you don't do? really think about it it's are, just are you're, you you're you're sitting down there? at the end of the day maybe you don't want to think that hard you just want right. to enjoy a game and that's also something yeah. that they're playing with here that, that, mm. that you're just being given instructions and sometimes if you don't think about it yeah it really doesn't make sense yeah. what he's saying <laughs> but you just Especially like okay you're my friend you're helping me and i'm just gonna do it right we get to a point a little bit later with the little sister where where that comes into play i think totally but that may not be this episode yeah it's probably gonna be the next episode yeah but yeah, it's like, why? Why doesn't he think to question? No. Wait, why do you need me to do this? I just met you five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> what if I wasn't here? What were you going to do? You'd think that we'd have a survivor <laughs> complex from this plane crash that we just um, yeah. experienced. But it's like, we're just kind of along for the ride. Like yeah. we have no feelings either way. It's yeah. like, we should... We should be feeling things. But and I yeah, think, that's interesting. I that's think interesting. that there's a dual part of this. It's not just yeah. Jack. It's the fact that players are this way when they yes. play video games. It's true. It's they true. just yeah. do what they're told most yeah, of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who try to, you know, find the sort of like the, the, the cracks uh, or, or, or the, the tears in the curtain, so to speak. They try right. to like break the game almost yes, by like yes, purposefully yes. doing what they're some, not supposed to do. Some people do that. Some people are just built that way. Yeah, but yeah. I think for the vast majority of people, mm. the tutorial pops up. Okay, you just do what it says. Sure. A character being used as a tutorial like this is tells you what to do. You're just doing it. Okay, you're instructing me. I don't know anything about this world. I'm just learning it. This guy knows what's going on. I'm just doing what he says. Yeah. That's, that's key for where this well, game is going in terms of what you've been talking about with free will and fate and stuff. Yeah, you know, that actually, that's fascinating in um, terms of Ayn Rand's philosophies on objectivism as well. Yeah. Um, with the idea that, like, you're going to play a game, people aren't concerned with morality or with whether or not they're making the right choices or they don't want ethical dilemmas in yes. their games. Yes, yes. Because it's like, I'm just playing the game. I'm just the play. The act of playing a game in general is the, the greed or the selfishness that Ayn Rand talks about. It is the uh, acting in your own personal self-interest, right? And so it's like, oh, I'm gonna play the game just because I want to, and it doesn't matter what I do here, right? Yeah. Uh, but then you derive the most satisfaction through however you play it, but through not really worrying about the morals <laughs> of what you're doing, <laughs> yeah, and just kind of letting experiencing it. And Ayn Rand would say, well, just do that with life. Yeah. Take the way that you play video games, do that to life now, and then mm -hmm. go grab the goal and don't question or, um, well, I guess, well, yeah, yes, question authority. She would say yes, but don't question yourself. Right. right? Don't question morals or ethics. Just go do it. You yes. Know? Right. There's some, I feel, I don't know if I articulated it well, but I feel like there's some parallel there between the player and then, um, 
and Ayn Rand as well, as well as what you know, maybe what Ken Levine may be trying to trying say. Trying to do with this, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so uh, find my family, please. Go to Neptune's Bounty, find my family, please. So you come out of the elevator, uh, and you hear this lullaby. I, I, this uh, scene is this so scene is too good. creepy, dude. It's so good. So there's this female splicer, and what yeah. I love how it's framed. Again, one of the... One of the, again, sort of philosophies for game design for Ken Levine is he didn't mm. want to do cutscenes, right? He, oh, right. He yeah, didn't want true. to take the mm. camera or the, the point of view out yeah. of the player's control ever. Good. He, he really didn't mm. want to do that. And, and in fact, that was part of the reason why they struggled with creating the intro because there was some of that to an extent. There's, I'm not playing the game. I, I have to watch mm, a scene yeah. unfold kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, they debated about that internally and, and the merits or not or when we should or when we shouldn't. And mm-hmm. he was very against the idea, <laughs> yeah. like, for the most part. It's like, no, the huh. player should always be in control. We should never stop the game they, and make them look at something. Yet, they are still able to frame things they want you to see. So the yeah. second you step out of the elevator, what you see is the shadow of the splicer woman on the wall. Yes. It's a cast. And so you can't, it, you can't help but notice it. Right. That's yeah. how you can direct the player's attention oh, this game without that taking control away from them. Yeah. Right? With so shadows you, and light. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. So you can't help but notice this woman, <laughs> this freaking crazy woman speaking to a, 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 like a stroller, a cradle. Right. When your daddy's in the ground, uh, uh, mommy's going to sell you by the pound. When your mommy's up and gone, you're going to be the lonely one. When you are the lonely one, no one will be there to sing this song. Hush now, mommy's gone and daddy too. Wait, this is happening before and not. Why aren't you here? Why is this today and not when you were warm and sweet? Why can't mommy hold you to her breast and feel your teeth? Oh, no, no, no. So it's like she's singing this song and then she sort of realizes almost what she's saying and being like, wait a second, this is all wrong. And that's kind of like the whole contradiction with the place, right? Like these people are are all in kind of this state of conflict. Yes. (laughs) Uh, with, With like whatever is happening they're all a part of it but like it's horrific to them too and they don't mm-hmm. even e- maybe even realize or they, they've maybe even been slowly led into this or against their will been led into it and, and it's just horrific for them too so you just basically sneak up behind this woman and just you kill her <laughs> yes and right and you look into her little cradle N- nothing there well there was a gun i think oh, they, oh a gun inside yeah <laughs> but if she picks it up uh, then you yeah. then you don't. This is this is where you get the gun for the first yes. time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. if you can kill her before she picks it up, then you'll see the gun there. I guess. Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of what I did. I sort yeah. of snuck behind as a instructor and kill her. <laughs> <laughs> just grabbed the gun. Yeah, but there's well, no baby. She's singing a lullaby to like nothing slash a gun. Yeah, and she's like, anyways, it's the weirdest. It's very strange. It's very yeah. strange. I think this is probably the first point. Well. You just kill everything you see in this sure. game, right? Yes. That's just what you do. Right. Um, but this is a woman singing to a cradle, and you just walk up and kill her. Yeah. <laughs> right? Now, if she sees you, she'll k- try to kill you. That's how it works. That, but there's uh, something uh, there's something strange about that. That, too. The Just you kill everything because that's what you do in because games. Because that's your mindless. Right? You don't uh, care about that's, morality. That's, that's another yes. thing that players are almost conditioned to, right? You, you, you're just doing yeah. it just because. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, there's an enemy. I kill that thing. This is a game. <laughs> like, <laughs> Duh. There's That's no like, thought into we, it. We talked know? about this a lot with Undertale. It's, yeah, it's similar for kind sure. of situation. Also with um, uh, uh, near. 
right? Oh yeah, same, near. same, That's right. same concept. Yeah, was kind similar of themes for near. you know questioned in that too. So I do have a question though. So we see this cradle or this uh, stroller, I guess. Um, where are all the kids? Isn't this like a city? There's no kids. I mean, I see the little sisters, but that's, I don't know what's well, going on with I mean, them, we but just, I don't think they're just like We just talked people's. about um, how impossible it would be for a baby human to survive being attacked right out of the womb versus yeah, for sure. lizards who have the ability to walk <laughs> and run the second they're born, right? So I would assume most of the children probably were killed in whatever conflict yeah. happened here. But So then there is no, then this whole place is doomed. There is no, what would you call it? There's no generative... Yeah, it's like the next generation is gone. Yeah, it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay. So and I wrote down here that, that other than what you just said, which is probably more correct, <laughs> I said uh, this could be the consumerist separation of humans and nature. Mm. Women don't have children anymore. They just have the products that they purchase, right? Yeah. So it could be something like that. Because when you look at Ayn Rand's objectivism, it's it's difficult. I'm not going to say it's impossible. And, an, and a Randian person wouldn't say it's impossible either. It's just difficult to continue your civilization. It's difficult to objectivism objectively convince women to have a baby <laughs> and to be like, yeah, it's, it'll be in your best self-interest, I promise. Like, yeah, well, if you're looking at it purely from those grounds, yeah. women probably aren't going to be having very many kids, which means sure. your society is kind of screwed. In right, the long run. right. So I, I felt like maybe we're seeing some of that. So I really like what Mix has written here. He yeah. says, conditioned is the right word. I think it draws attention to how dehumanizing it can be to follow orders and to kill whatever the game wants us to kill. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There almost is a dehumanizing, a desensitizing to such a degree to yeah. where you're not even thinking about it anymore. It's just like, yeah, I, right. I play games and when I play games, I kill things. And, and, and you don't have any thought about that whatsoever. <laughs> the NPCs in the game don't have a second thought either. As soon as yeah. they see you, they show up to kill you. Yep, right. And it's like a normal game is like, fine, there's enemies or you're, it's a war game or they're aliens or whatever. But these are just like people in a city. Yeah. The way it's portrayed, these are just the residents of the town. Right. And we're just massacring them, but right. they are trying to kill us too. It's like they have this precondition, this preconditioning as well to just like this mistrust of anybody. It doesn't matter who it is. You want a target, a military target, then name the system. Then right? name the system. <laughs> Not a military target. These are, <laughs> these are civilians. Um, so Atlas tries to give a explanation for what you're looking at here, right? Yeah. Plasmids changed everything. They destroyed our bodies, our minds. We couldn't handle it. Best friends butchered one another. Babies strangled Ooh. in cribs. There's an there answer. There you go. The kids were just killed yep. because, okay, wow. The whole city went to hell. Uh, let's see. So then we skip forward here a little bit to the first diary entry. Now, I talked about this before. If you want, like, really the full story, this is another one of those games where you really want to look for these diaries. There are important things you can miss along the way. The first one you can find is titled New Year's Eve Alone. Um, and uh, it's uh, the person who made this diary entry is Diane McClintock. Mm. Uh, she says, another New Year's, another night alone. I'm out and you're stuck in Hephaestus. Hephaestus? Hephaestus? It's Working. A, it's a Greek reference. But. Yeah. Imagine my surprise. I guess I'll have another drink. Here's a toast to Diane McClintock, silliest girl in rapture, silly enough to fall in love with Andrew Ryan. So ah. she's, this is a girl who's in love with Andrew Ryan. He didn't join her on New Year's Eve. She's upset. She's depressed. She's drinking. Um, but it's in the middle of this New Year's party 
probably right here in this little room that we're in when we get this, that the conflict started. Because you hear these guys jump in and they're like, oh, and you hear people screaming. And, uh, you know, she's saying, what happened? And she, I'm bleeding. Oh, God, what's happening? And she's been shot. And so, like, it, it seems to me that this is the moment that the war or conflict of what's whatever happened that drove Rapture into this chaos it's in yeah. began was on New Year's Eve. Um, and she was one of the people who were the well, first casualties. Isn't there, well, that makes sense because it feels like it's 1959. Everything's decorated for the new year of 1959. Yes, yes. Every And I, we kind of skipped over that. As soon as you show up, it's like, you know, yeah, new year, 1959, welcome the new year. Yep. And it seems like time kind of stopped. Yep. At that point. At that point. That was like the, the point in which it happened was on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, at this party. It was kind of where it started, so... Um, you also can buy masks. There's like this mask. Well, I don't know if you can as a character, but there's there's these posters that are saying like masks for sale. You can buy bunny masks and really uh, creepy right. masks. Uh, the idea being that everyone's here in Rapture having a good time, but for whatever reason, they want to hide who they really are. Yeah. That's, that's, why, you, that's why masks exist. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and so, I don't know, that kind of gives you another clue that something isn't right. Uh, there's another diary entry nearby hole in the bathroom wall uh this is steve barker who made this entry hey brenda you care to tell me why you've had a hole in the wall the size of plymouth rock coming out of your crapper on three weeks now (laughs) (laughs) now i ain't saying i'm shakespeare but i'm trying to run a respectable theater i got working folk coming in from port neptune trying to catch a little diversion and all they can think about is the sink uh, the stink coming out of your shitter get it fixed (laughs) My God. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is kind of the, the point, I think, where you're kind of going through those bathrooms. You're sort of navigating. There's all these holes blown through the walls, and you're trying to navigate to the area uh, Atlas is leading you to. Um, so you pass through the hole in the wall there of the toilet, uh, the steel beams, and this is where you see the little sister and the big uh, daddy underneath. Right. This is where At- uh, Oh, that's right. Where Atlas explains what, what this is all about, right? Yeah. So he says, careful now, would you kindly lower that weapon for a minute? So I mean, you have your weapon out and it's like, okay, stop for a second. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> you don't want to mess with these, with these big yes. daddies. You think that's a child down there? Don't be fooled. She's a little sister now. Somebody went and turned that sweet baby girl into a monster. Whatever you thought about right and wrong on the surface, that don't count for much down in Rapture. Mm. Those little sister... Uh, these little sisters or those little sisters, the genetic material that keeps the wheel of rapture turning, everybody wants it. Everybody needs it. So this is going back again to the sort of three-faction thing. The harvesters yeah, want yeah. what the drones have, the daddies, the protectors protect yep. the drones, right? The, we, we talked all about that in episode one. Uh, and, and basically what you see happen is the harvester takes the risk of trying to, yes. to get this this little sister here and gets freaking jacked. Just jacked. Yeah, as soon as <laughs> Big Daddy shows up, it's just like, boom. <laughs> it's, dead it's great, so fast. Great scene. Uh, really impactful. Yeah. Uh, just like with that huge drill, just like drills <sighs> him into the wall and just like ragdolls him, you know? Yeah. Really, really, really crazy. Um, again, the tone setting here and, and the pace at which this is happening and, and the mysteries being weaved is just freaking masterful storytelling. It is. Um, you were quoting uh, Atlas earlier when he said it all yeah. started with the, the plasmids. Right? Yes. Um, that's like, um, th- this just brings to mind some of the inherent issues with uh, things like with technology just in general. Sure. Um, 
there are some books written a long time ago. <laughs> um, but Rene Guénon wrote a book called, um, what is it, The Reign of Quantity, which talks about this kind of issue, you mm. know, the, the, the way that technology just kind of, uh, well, in, in some ways it makes life better, in some ways it makes life worse. Uh, Martin Heidegger talks about this as well, about technology. A lot of his issues were with technology. And then um, Spangler wrote a book called like Man and Technic, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, it's, it's really, it's a similar kind of thing. And it's, uh, th- this was, it's, it's kind of from around this time as well, although Spangler came in like late, late 1800s. Um, but it's the idea of like, what are we, what are we doing here with technology? Like right. what's, what's the point? Like I get it, it's happening. No one's stopping it. <laughs> um, it's making things different, that's for sure. Um, but what's the end goal here? Like, mm-hmm. what what is happening? At some point, I think they, all three of them, would say, at some point, this technology becomes the purpose. Yes. And 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 humanity loses everything, yep. right? And I feel like that's kind yes. of it. Like, the tipping point in this civilization was the plasmids. As soon as it's like, oh, technology's great, technology's great, life's better, life's better, life's better, boom, you hit a point where it's like, you just created a thing that no one can avoid. Everyone has to have it, because if they don't, they die. And, like... It it but it just like destroys civilization. Anyways, yeah. you guys want to hear more about that idea? Read Rene Guénon, Martin Heidegger, and uh, Spengler. And, or uh, uh, it's any, fascinating. Anybody stuff. who's giving warnings about AI might be. Uh, oh, currently, <laughs> like uh, Elon Musk or um, oh, there's a few others. But uh, yeah, yeah, well, wasn't it? Um, shoot, uh, Stephen there's Hawking. Another. No, I think Stephen Hawking was more about he just warning have. about talking to aliens. But ah, of course. He, he, what he said, uh, it didn't. Um, if we get contacted by an alien civilization, it'll be like when this, um, when the Europeans contacted the Native Americans. And his note at that uh, yeah, for that right. was it didn't end well with right. the Native Americans. Right. So it's so. like we probably should be careful with that too. But we, with the point is, we won't be able to help ourselves. Sure. Yeah. We won't. So um, we all go down together. So Alice says that's the big daddy. She gathers Adam. He keeps her safe. So Adam is the resource yeah. that everybody wants, right? That, that the yep. harvesters are after. It's called Adam. And there's Adam. like an acronym for it, I think. Right. But. You know what? This um, is great. Did you notice that the bathroom stalls are coin operated? No, I did not. Yes. That's In order crazy. to go to the bathroom, that you is, to, That is so... You have to, it's that really... That is so... Good. Capitalist, though. <laughs> I know, I know. And I could tell, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, man, that is like, that is like the darkest form of capitalism. <laughs> I, I could think, well, you know, in, in the real world, I would think of it as like bottled water. It's like, rem- oh, sure. I think a lot of people, when this idea came about, were like, you can't, you can't bottle sell water. and sell yeah. water. Like, what are you talking about? It's crazy. But like, it's totally like this immensely lucrative freaking yes, industry very now. Much so. Especially uh, if you claim it came from some spring in Maine or right. something like that. Right. You know, it's, it's it's freaking water, man. Like <laughs> you anyways. It's it's that that's kind of so what it feels like to me, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that though. That's unbelievable. Coin operated I love bathroom that. stalls. I freaking love it. I do too, man. Those um, little touches just make this game. Yeah, so okay, so this is where you're going into that sort of hallway that connects to another building. The oh. glass hallway and the plane comes crashing through. Yeah. Love that. Um, because it's again, like just like another reminder of kind of like how dangerous a place you're in, like yeah. just the, the nature of it itself. You are in the ocean and <laughs> you could drown like at any second, yeah. basically. So this plane just comes crashing through the window. You got to kind of like climb through and like out the other side and like get to the end before like it all fills up and floods. Um, really, really loved that visually. It's super Yeah, cool. that was great. Um, so Atlas gets pissed. That that Ryan is is blocking blocking us off from getting where we wanted to go, right? I think there was 
if I remember correctly, there's like this elevator you call up and there's this like, almost like a sentry with like a gun on it that starts shooting at you. Oh. Uh, and it's like the way he was telling you to go, it's like, oh, Ryan like right. is blocking us off. We're gonna have to go some different way. And that's where he tells you to go to the medical pavilion. A bunch of guys attack you mm-hmm. in, that, in that room. Um, and he says, uh, he shut off access to Neptune. There's another way to get there, head to the medical, or head to medical. What are you waiting for? Go. Um, so uh, there's a transitional chamber here when you're going into the medical pavilion. This is kind of where we'll leave off yeah. uh, for today. But uh, you get trapped in sight of it. He says, you're trapped. going to try to override the exit from here. So he's in some console somewhere, got control of different yeah. parts of the city. Who Alphys. knows what's going on there? Yeah. But Andrew Ryan, there's a message that comes up. I, I think this is him live, not like a recording or something. He says, so tell me, friend, which one of the, uh, which one of the bitches sent you, uh, sent you, the KGB wolf or the CIA jackal? Uh, here's the news. Rapture isn't some sucking ship for you to plunder, and Andrew Ryan isn't giddy, uh, so, isn't a giddy socialite who can be slapped around by government muscle. And with that, farewell, uh, whichever you prefer. Uh, does, does, I, I never know how to say this. It's, it's a goodbye in another language. Das Das Vidinia? Das Vidinia? Das Vidinia? Das Vidinia? I don't actually know. Is anyway, that... whichever you prefer. It's not a language. Maybe I'd have to look into that. I don't know Russian. what that means. Russian. Russian. Oh, because das he's Vidinia. saying Russian or yeah, is it the CIA KGB. or the KGB? Thank you for that. Das Vidinia. Das Vidinia. It's Russian. Cool. Whichever you prefer because he doesn't know which, where, who yes. said it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's why it never right. makes okay. sense. Okay. Um, so then he says, I got it. Uh, I'm going to get you out of there, get out of there now. You open the door and you go into the medical pavilion. So that's essentially where we wanted to play up to this week. Thank you for watching. Um, Like I said, next time play up to, where did you say to left off? Arcadia? Arcadia. Arcadia. That'll be for next episode. Sorry it was a bit rushed at the end. Peace out. Peace. (laughs)